that there's something else to get excited about, and that is another upstart league for professional women's hockey. So starting in January, the Professional Women's Hockey League, or PWHL, uh, will launch. So what can we expect from this hockey league? What are some of the challenges that it faces, and how can it look to other leagues, professional leagues, for maybe some guidance on how to really make a splash and be a success. We're going to get into it right now with our guest, who's a clinical assistant professor of sport administration at Georgia State University and a lawyer in British Columbia, Dr. Robert Soroka. Dr. Soroka, thanks for making the time. No problem. Great to join you. Uh, glad to have you to talk about this um, because this is, I think, something that we should be getting excited about and wanting to support. Uh, let's talk a little bit about what the Professional Women's Hockey League is going to look like. What do we know about it so far? Sure. So the league will have six teams, uh, three in Canada, three in the States. The Canadian teams will be in Montreal, Ottawa, and Toronto. Um, there's an official partnership with the NHL, but no direct NHL ownership. The executive director is a person very familiar to hockey fans, uh, Brian Burke. Uh, there's actually a collective bargaining agreement in place. Um, that this is the first for a professional women's sports league from the time of its inception, and there'll be guaranteed salaries for at least eighty thousand of at least eighty thousand U.S. dollars for six players per team for three seasons. So they're, they're off to a decent start. Is there, is there another league that we can sort of compare this to, maybe a men's league or a, a certain level that we can look to and say this is going to be similar to that? You know, in terms of hockey, uh, probably looking at your minor league, I, I think the better comparison is looking at maybe women's soccer, um, maybe even national women's uh, soccer league in the United States where a lot of the top Canadian players play maybe the WNBA. I think the women's professional leagues are probably the best comparison. There have been some previous attempts at professional hockey leagues, um, the Canadian Women's Hockey League, the National Women's Hockey League, Premier Hockey Federation. Um, But this is a little different. This is a little better financed. You wrote an article in the Globe and Mail. Uh, you can check it out, listeners, at theglobeandmail.com, talking about how this hockey league should kind of try to model itself or at least at least acknowledge the model of Europe's soccer clubs to try to gain some traction and some success. So uh, so let's just start there with what is it that those, those European soccer clubs are doing so well that you would expect to see or hope to see this league model itself after? Sure. There's a few things. And starting with uh, the brand synergy, so in the women's soccer, the women's super league, the the major women's league in England, you have the exact same brands, the exact same teams in the men's and the women's game. So you have Manchester United Women's Club, you have Manchester City Women's Club, you have Chelsea Women's Club. So the brands that have this existing massive fan base, this existing you know decades or even centuries of culture, um, they're using that same branding and they're applying it to their women's team. So you already have a built-in fan base, you already have a built-in connection, you already have a built-in mass appeal um, with a major uh, national and global audience. You have many thousands or millions of people that are inclined to be interested in this club that might not have any similar interest in a a similar generic club um, with no brand affinity starting from scratch. What do you think is at stake here if they don't really carefully um, try to roll this out or, or model it in a way that, that could look similar to something that is successful? I mean, the, the, the risk is that there's 
another failed professional women's hockey league in North America. And considering that this one will be the best financed, it has the owner of the Los Angeles Dodgers bankrolling it. Um, if he can't get it done, then who's going to be able to get it done? There might not be a, another serious attempt um, for a while. So that would be the risk of failure here. Um, and, you know, I, it's very important, I think, that there's a viable professional women's hockey league in North America, just like there is for soccer, just like there is for basketball. Um, this has the best opportunity yet, um, but maybe they could do things a little better if, you know, beyond having uh, just an official partnership with the NHL, the NHL actually getting involved on the ownership side. The NHL actually leveraging the brands of its biggest clubs to the women's teams in, in this case. Yeah, just sort of try to create that emotional affinity for fans to a team that they really, they deeply care about. It's, it's hard to create that from scratch, isn't it? It, it really is. I mean, there's been lots of attempts in the biggest markets in Canada. Um, there were multiple Toronto teams. There was even a Calgary team in the Canadian Women's Hockey League. Um, but, you know, if you have the club that's the Toronto Maple Leafs women's team, you're starting from something significant. If you had the Edmonton Oilers women's team, you're starting from, you know, maybe a 6 out of 10 as opposed to just starting from scratch. Mm-hmm. You're going to have people interested. You're going to have people connected in, you know, that history, that culture, the success of that team. Maybe the men's team in a particular year isn't doing so hot. They're not in the playoffs. Maybe the women's team is your chance for a victory parade. People are going to be inclined to support it where they might not have otherwise been interested. And, you know, I think with only three Canadian teams, it becomes an even bigger uh, hill to climb, right? Because how do you get mass buy-in for teams that don't don't represent every single hometown that, that fans can really get behind and cheer on and support? Yeah, I mean, to be fair, they they have to start small. They have to have this proof of concept, sure. an initial an initial phase. Um, one of the risks for smaller leagues like this, similar women's professional leagues, um, leagues like National Lacrosse League or Arena Football, is they're reliant heavily in their early phases on ticket revenue. There's no broadcast revenue to speak of. They might get some sponsorships, um, but. The further their geographic reach, the more they're going to be bleeding in travel costs. So that's why I think you're seeing the Canadian teams very uh, closely concentrated on that Toronto, Ottawa, Montreal corridor. Um, the, the furthest afield American team is Minnesota. That'll incur some travel costs, um, but that would be kind of the only state in the United States where hockey is debatably the number one sport. So that made sense. And once they had this proof of concept, this viability, they can maybe show it will work. I think it's very likely they'll expand to other Canadian markets. Alberta, Calgary, and Edmonton, I think, would be very solid markets for them as a, as a second stage expansion. I think that proof of concept is something that's really important when we're talking about creating something that could look even remotely equitable. I mean, you need to prove yourself and, and get some ticket sales and, of course, get some traction and some success before we're going to be seeing salaries that represent what we already recognize as normal in the NHL. And you talk a little bit about that in your article, talking about the ownership model as it stands right now and this, the seeming uninterest um, from certain groups because of that that inequity piece. Can you expand on that a little bit? Sure, I'm happy to. So I, I suspect one of the reasons why the NHL is not more directly involved, why the major clubs aren't more directly involved in leveraging their brands, 
is this kind of financial risk and this image risk. Um, the NHL has to be looking at the WNBA. Um, the WNBA is 50% owned by the, the NBA. It's been running for 25 years now. The revenues have been consistently growing, but the WNBA has not yet turned a profit in any given year. So effectively for the owners of the NBA, it's a tax write-off. It's, it's a liability. Maybe it helps grow the game, um, but it's been a tough for the owners of the NBA. Um, and then where the other kind of image risk comes in for the NHL and its major clubs, well, maybe you have the women's Toronto Maple Leafs, maybe you have the, the women's Toronto or the women's Montreal Canadiens, and you're going to get that very awkward question of, you know, why is Austin Matthews making $13 million a year and um, someone like Natalie Spooner, a very well-known player, um, for the Canadian women's national team, you know, maybe she's got one of the higher salaries on the Toronto club. She was just drafted by them. And maybe she's making a couple hundred thousand dollars a year. You're, you're going to get that very awkward situation, that awkward communication scenario for the NHL. Um, maybe the Leafs in that scenario, maybe um, their owners, Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment. I wonder about the timing right now for this to be something that's rolled out this January 2024. Is this is this because the the market shows that this is now when it will be successful? Is there is there more to it than that? I think they've just the ownership just has their ducks in a row. They're ready. They're ready to go. Um, if it were me, I would have probably done it in an Olympic year where you know traditionally women's hockey mm-hmm. is at its peak. Um, Canada has that great emotional attachment to the Canadian women's national team. Um, same in the States. Um, however, we're, we're a few years off the Winter Olympic cycle. So I, I think this is just the opportunity that this ownership group has. They have their financing. They have their money. They have their teams in line. They have this market gap in women's professional hockey with the previous two iterations, you know, falling apart in the, the past year or two. And they're ready to go now. I think it's it's just the right timing for them. They have it in place. They're going to give it a shot. Ultimately, do you think, uh, I know you don't have a crystal ball, but will this be a success? I think it can be a qualified success. I mean, I, I don't necessarily, I hope, but I don't necessarily think that the NHL and the big brands within the NHL are going to directly get involved, directly lend their branding um, to women's clubs in respective cities. I hope it happens. That would be kind of lighter fluid for the women's game, much as it, as it has been in European soccer. Um, but I think this can be a qualified simply because it's the deepest pockets yet that a women's professional league has had. Mm-hmm. Um, Mark Alter is a billionaire, several times owner. He's very experienced with professional sports and he'll be able to handle a loss for five years. It, it won't mean anything to him financially. So he's going to be patient He's going to give it time to grow. Um, They'll be able to attract sponsorships. If they're in the right markets, if they're in the right venues within those markets, they'll be able to sell some tickets, and they'll be able to manage um, a a modest enough operating deficit that they'll uh, have the opportunity to attract outside owners, and effectively that's what the play is here. They want to bring in other owners to other franchises, and with the scarcity of professional sports, franchises out there um you know there's a lot of millionaires and billionaires that are interested in having a professional team with significant upside if they're able to hang around long enough 
they'll find those others, um, and I think they can do moderately well. Um, fingers crossed. Yeah, well, we'll see. We'll see you very soon in just a few short months. Okay, Dr. Soroka, thank you so much for your time and for explaining it. No problem. Happy to join you, Chelsea. Of course. Take care. That's Dr. Robert Soroka, Clinical Assistant Prof of Sport Administration at Georgia State University and a lawyer in British Columbia, of course, talking about the Professional Women's Hockey League, or PWHL, which will be launching this January 2024.